chapter thirty seven of order number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org order number eleven by caroline abbott stanley chapter thirty seven a nation scattered and peeled it was the day after mammy's triumphant return from independence with saddle-bags whose off-side could hardly hold the sundries into which that greenback had been transmuted there was tea for the invalid who turned away from the decoction of sassafras which was the best they had to offer and a precious package of sugar there was paragoric for infantile emergencies and cold chicken for those of age down in one corner were a paper of needles and a spool of cotton jot child gwine to need short dresses fo long mammy had said he's mighty servigrous in his legs but it cannot be denied that the greater part of the saddle-bags if one may speak of them in the plural when the femininity of both saddle and rider had made them strictly a one-sided singular was taken up with twists of tobacco for the mutual delectation of the old couple it should be said in strict justice however that the very first purchase of all had been a rubber rattle and a blue ribbon to hang it on a tin one had been offered her but she would none of it dat chile ain't no po white trash she thought dis year one is jest like de one his pa had po little lamb nobody could have told of which little lamb she was thinking possibly she did not know herself she had been very jubilant over the success of the trip detailing it to uncle reuben with the circumstantiality natural to a traveller who did not often take so long a one the visit to dr lay's and the discovery of the old isabella had put a new notion in their heads if they continued to keep their new charge and there seemed no possibility of their doing anything else they would need another fire uncle reuben had gone over to see the lay of the land literally and ascertain whether the old sled and the maligned mule would be equal to transporting it to keswick if he waited for snow there might be nothing to transport even stoves were game when nothing else was in sight one such was taken to pleasant hill by a strolling visitor and returned at the close of the war the borrower said to the owners afterwards that he needed it and then he thought it would be safer in his house than in theirs and he was doubtless right uncle reuben had made his observations and was ready to start home it had been a mournful investigation the empty rooms reverberated with the sound of his halting steps preternaturally loud they seemed in the stillness mournful ejaculations fell from his lips and he shook his head continually as he went from room to room how often he had driven the white folks through that big gate he was thinking as he stood by the window and looked out the gate was gone now burned with the fence he was starting down the stairs when a step below and an exclamation startled him he drew back and peered through the balusters a young man in soldier clothes stood in the doorway he was looking into the bare rooms with hard-set face it was gordon lay he had landed at kansas city with his regiment that morning the news of order number eleven had reached him soon after its issue and he had been in a frenzy of anxiety to get tidings of their fate but the trumpeter soldier follows his duty not love he could not leave his regiment he had written letter after letter they lay uncalled for in the little post-office 
he wrote to his sister in kentucky but her answer failed to reach him he was shifted so from pillar to post he had asked for a furlough only to be met with the answer that the regiment would soon be transferred to the border and he must wait what was one man amid the tumult of war in sixty three rumors had come to him that filled him with terror of fleeing refugees burning houses and endangered women the butchery at lawrence he knew was bound to bring swift reprisal and he shuddered to think what that reprisal might be and whom it might strike those were agonizing days for gordon if only he could know when the boat reached kansas city that morning and the regiment was disembarked he went straight to his commanding officer and laid the case before him asking leave of absence if but for a day it was granted and he had come in haste his fears increased with every mile they had become well-nigh insupportable he urged his horse to its utmost speed and yet he felt from the first that there was nothing he could do it was a month or more since the order was issued what might not happen in a month he was hastening only to learn the worst it was indeed a scene of desolation that he looked upon the fields that he had left in smiling beauty lay blackened and waste there had been few crops raised in the last two years there were not many able-bodied men left for the plough and the harrow they were busy with the sword and the rifle and the little there was had not been gathered into barns gordon lay was versed in the scriptures throughout that ride the lamentations of the prophet were sounding continually in his ears he said them over at every turn of the road the land mourneth for the corn is wasted the harvest of the field is perished alas for the day here and there as he looked across the prairie a zigzag line of ashes told where a fence had been the blackened swath on either side showed where it had gone it did not matter much now about the fences there were no crops left for the brute creation to ravage and no stock to do it had there been the fields were in briars and thistles the stock was in kansas on every hand gordon saw with sinking heart the ruins of homes here a prostrate mass of brick and mortar that had once been a rendezvous for the gayest of the gay there two stone chimneys which measured the breadth of the house that was and stood like grim sentinels to challenge attention and herald the fact that here a household once lived and loved and toiled and gathered and lost they were not always recent ruins sometimes they would have vines over them a fragrant climbing honeysuckle that was not quite buried when the crash came or the old grapevine that had covered the back porch and tried to do its duty still creeping over the unsightly pile and budding and blossoming and bearing fruit at any rate it made a shadow from the heat for the lizard and the slug how could it know in its insensate heart that the soul of that home was gone and only its bleaching bones were to be sheltered henceforth there seemed to gordon something infinitely pathetic in the sight of the summer-houses and grape-arbors more even than in the wasted fields such things speak so of human life and its joys once he noticed what had been a child's swing the rope cut as high as a man's hand could reach and the ends dangling from the limbs of the walnut tree under it was the path worn bare by little feet the rope had been used to tie up the bedding that went to kansas where were the children occasionally he would see houses that the torch had failed to find or more merciful than its fellows had spared he rode up to some of them they were always empty where were the people 
often there were signs of recent occupation an axe sticking in a log at the woodpile a basket of chips gathered and left and he noticed frequently at the horse-blocks children's bulky playthings that had been brought out in the forlorn hope of taking them along and abandoned as impossible apparently before starting in one place was a little red cart surely that might have been taken he did not know that that family went out as the holy family took their flight into egypt the mother on a mule with the weeping owner of the cart in her lap while the aged grandfather walked at their side if only the cart could have carried the baby it might have gone along as he drew nearer home gordon's gloom deepened these places were all familiar to him each one had its memories and they were all a young man's memories bright and joyous it did not seem to him that they could ever be the abode of anything happy again joy seemed blotted out of the world the chimney sentinels grew thicker he remembered virginia's writing to him that she had stood on the portico at keswick one night and counted twenty burning buildings it had seemed incredible he could believe it now the chimneys corroborated the story he raised himself in the saddle and drew in a long breath exhaling it with a sudden explosive force the vast stillness oppressed him it was broken only by his horse's hoofs there was not a sound not a sign of life on all that broad prairie it was a relief to him to pass through a stretch of timber and hear a blue jay something was alive anyway a squirrel ran out on the limb of a tree with its tail whisked over its back in the old familiar fashion gordon looked at it with a strange feeling of interest he and beverly used to go hunting for squirrels how had he ever been so cruel as to shoot one he felt the remorse of the ancient mariner when with his cruel bow he laid full low the harmless albatross he had never realized before how much the bark of dog the lowing of the herd and all the common barnyard sounds gave cheer and tone to country scene even the discordant cry of the peacock or the guinea hen would have sounded sweet there was such a polar stillness over everything it chilled his soul he pressed on from the hill just beyond he knew he could see virginia's home and his own his heart was beating a tattoo that made him forget the stillness it had been so long since he had seen her when he reached the hill he stopped short a groan burst from his lips the white pillars streaked with smoke were outlined against the blue sky he looked to the right his own home was standing thank god for that but would there be anybody there after all he had this day seen he did not dare to hope it when he reached the house he flung his bridle over the post half expecting to see a negro boy come shambling from the rear none came he strode to the open door with some wonder that it should be open he did not know that it was better thus than locked for then it would surely be battered in he stopped on the threshold one glance told him the worst they were not there he went through it room by room the parlor had with wanton vandalism been used for stabling horses the walls of tinted lavender were covered with obscene writing and pictures the floors bore evidence of having been hastily dismantled for the straw was left and there were tags of carpeting where it had been torn up there was nothing left but the old isabella uncle reuben had taken the opportunity when the newcomer had gone to the back rooms to tiptoe softly down the stairs he had not recognized gordon and he had learned from bitter experience that while loneliness is bad objectionable neighbors are worse he proposed to leave this prowling young soldier in full possession slipping behind a rose-bush he awaited his opportunity to retire unobserved he was too late there was the click of a revolver and gordon stepped boldly to the other side of the rose-bush 
bushes had a way of yielding strange fruit in those days he would see what this was at sight of the old man his hand dropped uncle reuben why my lord in heaven it's marse gordon well marse gordon i certainly is glad to see you sir i is indeed where did you come from demanded gordon from keswick sir de cabins ain't burnt hits de house tell me about the family where are they you mean our family sir yes and mine too where are they all dey gone sir where where's my father uncle reuben's jaw dropped and his face grew ashen he stared at the young man with dilating eyes marse gordon sir ain't you heard heard no i have heard nothing where is my father the old man stood with bowed head then with a gesture toward the heavens smiling blue and serene above them as if from that far height they looked down upon no sin and sorrow he said solemnly war de wicked cease from troubling and de weary is at rest my god End of chapter thirty seven